blessed and so excited to be there, standing up here with this mic in my hand this morning. I told the first service, I said that I was really nervous. And after it was over, I thought, yeah, it's over. I'm not, all the butterflies are going to be gone, but it's not true. They're still right there and evident that, yeah, it's going to, it's okay though. It's going to be good. Guys, really, it's so exciting to be up here this morning. I love, I just have to tell, shout out to my friends. I have some amazing and beautiful and wonderful friends um, that texted me this week and that sent me messages and sent me some Facebook posts and just said, we're praying for you. We believe in you. We believe that God's going to use you in a mighty way. And I just want to say thank you. Ladies, if you don't have a friend that supports you, that lifts you up, that encourages you, that challenges you, find that friend. Find those friends. Find those people that can surround you and do that for you. It's not in the sermon, but I thought you'd like it. So so this morning, we're really excited to be here. But let me tell you something. I love, love, love being a mom. And guess what? My girls are sitting right up here. So I get to embarrass them today. Chad does it every week, or sometimes he gets to do it. And I think, man, that will be so fun someday to get them. I'm going to get them. So it's going to I love you guys. You're awesome. So I am a mom. I have two beautiful, amazing, gorgeous, God-loving girls. They're 11 and they're 13, and they are so different, and I love it. I love that they are so different, and they have so much just going on in their life. And, um, man, they, I I have my 13-year-old, Riley, she came to me like three weeks ago. Mom, what do you want for Mother's Day? I don't know. I don't know yet. It's three weeks away. Okay, I'll ask you in a few days. Two days later, Mom, what do you want for Mother's Day? Mom, what do you want? Oh, so, so cool. But I didn't know. I really, I didn't know. She was like, she started giving me little hints. How about this? Or how about that? Or how about a tote? Or fabulous. She just had it all planned out. She knew what she wants to do. She's making a list for camp, for vacation, for everything already. And then my 11-year-old, Addie, we're at the store yesterday. She goes, Mom, you want to pick out your Mother's Day gift? Yeah. It's pretty cute. I love that they're so different and that they have this just thing. They're two completely different girls. Um. And it's fun, man. It's fun. But this year we've had a we've had an extra dimension of fun in our house and joy. And you know, Chad and I were actually even talking about this morning. I didn't know last Mother's Day that we were pregnant. We didn't find out till June. And so, just a whole nother added dimension of a four month old little boy living in our house and just the joy that he brings. Not just Chad and I, but the girls. Man, we have fun with him. It's so cool to see the girls with him. It's so fun to see how much they love their baby brother and how much they just can't wait. Man, joy and love in our house. I'm not going to lie, though. There's definitely a lot of fighting, too, over who gets to hold the baby in the morning and who's going to change him. Who's going to change him? But it's poopy. I don't care. I'll do it. Right? I love it. It's wonderful. You know what? It's been the best thing. The only thing, you know, I got this new perfume that I'm wearing. It's called Baby Puke. I smell good all the time. So if you guys want a little bit of it, I'll just bottle it for you. So, but you know what? It's cool because I get to see how a preteen and a teenager are, how they can love. And it's cool because here's the thing. I didn't think that an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old could love the way that they love their brother. So to see this, I got to tell you a little story. We're coming home from somewhere, I don't know, 174. And everybody knows if if you're in this area at all, you know how horrible 174 can be. So we're heading home, and you know what? We're probably hitting every red light, okay? The baby's probably five, six weeks. I can't remember, but it was when he was first born. And we're hitting probably every light, and he decides that he wants to get hungry. And he decides that he's hungry now. And, you know, it's so bad that he's screaming to the top of his lungs. The tongue's, like, flailing. You know, his eyes are closed. There's no tears. 
but it is like heart-wrenching. We're like, it's okay. Well, Briley's sitting right next to him, and she's just trying to soothe him. Baby, it's okay. Easton, we're going to be home in just a little while. I love you. Sissy loves you. It's okay. You're hungry. We'll feed you as soon as we get. She's just trying to soothe him, being so sweet, you know. And and so Chad and I are in the front seat, and Chad's driving, and he's like, hey, babe, why don't you? He's driving, so he kind of looks back a little bit, and he's like, hey, why don't you sing sing to him, Briley? And we don't hear anything. There's nothing, right? So then I look back at her, and tears just running down her face. As soon as she sees that we see her, though, it's like, what? oh, no. She's sobbing, and she's so sad because she loves her brother so much, and she can't fix him, right? So sweet. That one, that's so, oh, my little the 12-year-old girl at the time just loves her brother. And then so she can't sing because she's literally sobbing like that. And so we ask Addie, Addie, why don't you sing to your brother? And I look back at her and she starts laughing. Yeah, I'm not kidding. She didn't want to sing in front of us. That's what it was about. Not that she was laughing at her sister or laughing at, you know. Right, Addie? Right? Because you love your sister. That's right. So as we're getting ready, as I was getting ready for this for this day and just preparing for this sermon and for Mother's Day, I kept, I was praying, Lord, what do you want me to speak? What is the topic that you have for me to share for the beautiful people of LifeGate Church? God put it in me. I want it to be something good. And you know what? The word that pops up is love. I'm like, no, no, no. That's too easy. You know, everybody loves. That's, that's an easy thing. I want something that people can chew on, something they can take home with them, something they can, right? I want something profound, but you know what? The scripture, 1 Corinthians 13, comes to mind, and it says, and these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest of these is love. And I think, okay, yes, Lord. Okay, love. I'll speak on love. We, I can do that. And you know what? There's nothing greater than it. Nothing greater than love. So a couple of, couple of instances that, that you just know there's love, especially with your kids, right? You love waking up in the morning, and I love waking up in the morning and finding a baby that's awake already, and he sees me, and he just all over the place and laughing and right if you have a three-year-old probably go in and wake him up come morning mom right so sweet there's nothing better than that my 13 year old I go in and wake her up Bradley Bradley time to wake up okay mom okay right I know she's gonna get up and get ready my 11 year old Addie it's time to wake up Uh, okay but I love it because I know that without a shadow of a doubt every morning I go in there to wake her up that's what I'm gonna get okay so wonderful. I love it. Okay, I love, I love, there's nothing better than seeing your kids work and strive for something and work really hard, and then they succeed at it, and they, and they achieve really great, a reward for it. Another part that I really love, that I really, I think there's nothing better than, is when your kid gets up on that stage, and they receive that reward, and who are they looking for? Mom, right? They're looking for dad. They're looking to make that eye contact. They're looking for that love connection, right? Mom and dad, I know they're going to, like, give me a fist pump in the air, I love you, Joe. Right? We love our kids. Those are moments that we just, we yearn for with our kids. And so, as I was preparing, there's nothing greater than love. It says it in Romans 13, 13. And you know, one of my favorite scriptures, my favorite chapters in all of the word of God is, is the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 13. It's so powerful. And a couple of years ago, I did a study on it, and I, I really memorized and, and did some meditation on it. Just that God would speak to me through the scripture. And this is, of course, what it is, is that all the things that we work, that we strive for, there's no love in it. Even if we do it for, for God, but we don't love people while we're doing it, it means nothing. 
right? All the things that are, that are out there in this world, if we have knowledge and tongues and, and perfection, all the stuff we strive for, it all passes away. The only thing that is left is faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is love. So let me share the scripture with you real quick. If I speak in tongues of men and angels and have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames and have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. Love does not delight in evil but rejoices in the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For I know in part, and I prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now I see, but a poor reflection is in a mirror. But then we shall see face to face. Then we shall know him fully, just as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love. Now, when I did, thanks, babe. I love that scripture. It's the love chapter. It's so good because you know what? There's so much depth in it. No matter what we have, no matter how strong we are, no matter how spiritual we are, no matter what we do to please God, if there's not love involved, it all passes away. If you do it for nothing, it's for nothing. All that can remain is love. And so, My heart this morning is just to share that we love sincerely. As parents, it's easy to love our kids sincerely, deeply, intently, right? We can do that because they're our kids. But you know what? This morning, or our family, or our husbands, our spouses, it's easy to love with a sincere heart. But in Matthew, Jesus says in 5, 43 through 45, he says, there's a saying, love your friends, hate your enemies. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you in a way that you'll be acting as true sons of your father in heaven, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust too. When we love sincerely, when we love deeply, when we love with all that is within us, amazing and powerful things can happen. Amazing and strong and powerful things can happen when we love sincerely. So over and over again, right, throughout time, throughout history, love has inspired songs. Love has inspired poems. Be- the Beatles even said, all you need is love, right? They wrote, That's a, we're good, let's go, amen, right? No, but all you need is love was a song that someone wrote. We've even heard, right, love makes the world go round. It probably doesn't make the world go round, but it can definitely make a lot of things go right. Love, sincere, deep, true love can make the world go right. So this morning, we're going to love. We're going to love. And, and you know what? We, we use love in different ways, right? We love our spouse. We love our kids. We love our church. We love our people. We love our food. We love our shoes, right? We love and we intertwine this love sometimes. We intertwine this word. And so... A Sunday school teacher asked a five-year-old, her five-year-old class to bring something green that they love to church the next week. The next Sunday, they brought the usual green hats, the green sweaters, the green books. But in walks a five-year-old boy with a big old grin on his face, and in walks his four-year-old sister behind him with a green dress on. Right? So here we go with, we, can, we intertwine our, our love and how we love things and what we love. In the English language, we use, that's how we use love. 
Let's just, we just kind of use it all across the whole span of things that we love. But you know what? There's a word, and it's called agape, agape love. And when we speak of agape, we speak of a deep, deep love of God. Now, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, now that these three remain faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. Why is the greatest love? Here's why love is the greatest. In 1 John 4, 8, it says, if you do not love, you do not know God, because God is love. God is love. And when we speak of agape love, we speak of the love that God has, the God that love, the, the love that God has for us. Our, our interpretation of love is when you, when you do something for me, I love you. When you do something for me, when you make me feel a certain way, I'll love you, right? That's a conditional love. Even with our kids, if our kids, if we're going to have an unconditional love like Christ, like, like the Lord has for us, then it kind of will span on the same place as, as our unconditional love for our kids. Because our kids, they don't have to do all the right things for us to love them, right? They don't have to say all the right things. They, don't, they can mess up, and we're still going to love our kids. That's kind of along the same lines of how God loves us. But really, it doesn't even scratch the surface. But really, it's not even close to God's love for us. When we begin to love sincerely, we're going to say, God, I want to have an agape love. I want to strive to imitate your love. I want to strive with everything that is within me, everywhere that I go, everybody that I make contact with. I want to strive for this agape love. Now, we can't, but we can imitate. We can try to love as Christ loved. We can try to love as the Lord loved us. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Jesus didn't say, God didn't say, as soon as you clean up your act, as soon as you say that you're going to love my son, then I'll give you, you know, I'll love you back. No, he did it before we even knew that we needed him. He did it before we even knew. He loved us before we even knew we needed his love, right? So, Here's what we're going to do is we're going to strive to love sincerely. We're going to strive to imitate the love of Christ. And the way that we do that is we say we're going to do it, number one. But when we do it, when we love sincerely, then we, three things kind of follow that. Okay? Number one is cling persistently. So in Romans 12, 9 through 11, this is what it says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. So we're going to cling to what is good. There's two sides to every Christian life. We hate what's evil, and we cling to what is good. Now, when we cling, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be persistent. In spite of opposition, in spite of obstacles, in spite of someone throwing up their hand and saying, nope, I don't want any of that. We're going to cling to what is good. We're going to say, that's good. I'm standing on that. This is good in my life. I'm standing on this. Just like uh, when Jesus, they came to arrest Jesus in the garden. Man, the first thing that Peter did was he pulled out a sword and he cut off the servant's ear. Well, Jesus said, put the sword away. He picked up the ear and he put it back on his face, on the servant's head. Put it back on his head, face. I don't know. What's the ear part of? Face, head, Mr. Chris. Okay, so we have an ear put back in place. But Jesus said, stop, put it away. 
He put the ear back on. He's showing that he doesn't love when something goes wrong. He doesn't love just because something went wrong. He doesn't love by force. He doesn't love by fighting. But he loves just because he loves. And that's what we're to do. We're supposed to cling to what is good. In Jude 23, it says, Save some by snatching them from the very flames of hell itself. But as for others, help them to find the Lord by being kind to them. But be careful that you yourselves aren't pulled along into their sins. Hate every trace of their sin while being merciful to them as sinners. So what's that saying? Hate the sin, love the sinner. Right? We're sinners. We have friends and family that are sinners, and we're to hate the sin, but to love them, to cling to what is good in them, to cling to what we've done good with them. You see, God has something good and extraordinary for every single one of us. Sometimes people would say, in my marriage, it's falling apart, and I just can't find anything good in it. There is something good in it. Find it. Man, my kids are driving me absolutely crazy. Find something good in them. Find something good in a relationship that has gone like off the rails that you just can't figure out what it is. Find something good. Cling to that good. Because you know what? When we focus on our good, they will start to hear it. They will start to hear it. Even when at first, you know, a spouse especially, I understand the processing. of You've got to process through the bad. You gotta process through the things that are hard. Chad and I do it. Chad likes to process, let me just say. He likes to process. And I like to just push it down and say, I'm good. I'm going to the other room. We'll yeah, talk about it later. But no, we gotta you gotta process the bad and you gotta cling to the good. You gotta find the good and you gotta say, This is the good and this is what we're doing, and this is what's gonna save us. And you know what? You may be hit with opposition. You may be hit with somebody saying, what do you want? Because you're focusing on the good. Hey, did you see that this happened today? I'm so excited what God has for us. What do you want? What did you do? Right? You may be hit with opposition. I don't want to hear that right now. Just quit talking to me. Press forward and cling to what is good. So we're going to cling. When we love sincerely, we're going to cling. We're going to hold on to. We're going to press in. We're also going to honor we're going to honor much. Romans 12, 10 says, be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Have you ever met that person that knows how to work? They know how to put the foot to the grind and they know how to get after it. Honor those people. Look at them and lift them up. You know what? I know a lot of people that know how to do that. and They're called LifeGate volunteers. We have some amazing volunteers here at LifeGate. And you know what one of our core values is? Is to honor. We want to honor you. We want to honor the people that say, yeah, we're, we're going to get in the trenches with you. We're going to get down here. We're going to get to work. And we're, no matter how hard it is or how hot it is or how dirty it is or how stinky it is, we're going to get in there. And we're going to do the work with you. We want to honor that. We want to honor the people that say, we, we're here to serve. We're here to do whatever you need. Honoring needs to come from pure, pure motive. Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only at your own interests, but also at the interests of others. Thomas Carlyle said, show me the man that you honor, and I'll show you what kind of man you are. When we, when we enter in with a meekness, when we enter in with knowing who God is and what he has for us, when we enter in with knowing that God deserves honor and respect, then and only then can we, can we honor somebody else. You have to honor others above yourselves. Put them above yourselves. Sometimes it's not easy, but the only time it's not easy is when you are considering yourself above them. 
when you're considering that you deserve to be honored or you deserve that that role or that place, that's when it gets hard to honor somebody. So honor people. Put them in that place of honor. Number three, we're going to serve passionately. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, Romans 12, 11. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gifts he's received to serve others faithfully, administering God's grace in its various forms. Paul and Peter were saying, you've got something to do. You've got a work to be done. Do the work. Go after it. Do what needs to be taken care of. In Ephesians 2.10, it is God himself who has made us what we are and given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ages ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. We should spend our lives in helping others, serving passionately. See, God calls you to a service far beyond beyond anything that you'd ever imagined. He's got something for you. He's got something for you to do. And and Jeremiah 1.5 says, before I made you, in your mother's womb, I chose you. Before you were born, I set you aside for a, for a special work. When you hear special work, you may think, mm, special work, pastors, preachers, teachers, those in the ministry, those are the ones who have the special work. But no, Lord, the Lord, that, that was spoken to Jeremiah as a prophet, but you know what, that's us. God designed you, he made you, he formed you for a special work. You know what, sometimes we think, Wouldn't it just be nice as soon as we receive the Lord that he would just catch us up into heaven and we could be in heaven with him, away from this broken world, away from this fallen world, away from all the the hate and and the things that go on in this world? Wouldn't it just be easy just to go? But no, the Lord has something for you to do. He has a special work just for you. He has people that need to be loved. He has people that need to be reached. And he's called you to do it. He's called us to do it, to do a work another person can't do. You see, Jesus was the perfect servant. He was, he's a servant that we should strive to be like. He's the servant that we should say, oh man, did you see how Jesus did that? Jesus went to the woman. He went out of his way to go to the woman at the well. He healed lepers. He gave his life for us. He washed dirty, nasty, stinky, dusty feet. What a servant. What a servant, and that's what we should do. We should serve passionately, and when we love somebody, whether they're our friend, whether they're our spouse, whether they're our coworker, whether they're our enemy, when we love somebody sincerely, then we're going to serve them passionately. We're going to serve them passionately, and we're going to do it without reservation. We're going to consider the needs of others. We're going to do it with gladness, and we're going to do it without reservation. We're not going to say, oh, they don't need me. Or, oh, they don't, they got all these other people around them. Or, you know what, they're too high up for me to serve. No, we're going to serve passionately and we're going to step forward and we're going to say, Lord, I want to love like I've never loved. I want to cling to what is good. I want to honor the people that I don't feel comfortable honoring because it makes me feel uncomfortable. Honor them anyways. I want to serve those around me passionately. I want to hold a door open with a smile even when somebody goes, Thanks. We're going to do it with an attitude of being grateful. We're going to do it with an attitude of loving because you know what? When we begin to imitate the love of Christ, these things happen. And when we begin to imitate all of us in this whole room, if we begin to imitate the way that Christ loves as, as God loves with that agape love, powerful and amazing things can happen.
good things begin to happen when we love sincerely. We're going to consider needs. We're going to consider the needs of other people around us.